You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. Last week, we saw in the text that the thing Jesus does for you is more than what you want from him. We want bread from Jesus. We tell him to give us what we need now. And then, when it's out, give us a bit more. We're hungering and thirsting, sure. But Jesus is not simply trying to fill our stomachs. He saves. He does more for you than you would ever have thought to ask him for. Jesus wants to show us that you should be hungering and thirsting for righteousness because in and of ourselves, there is a drought, a famine, and we cannot fix it. We cannot simulate or stimulate some kind of correction that will allow us to follow God's law perfectly or fulfill it in any way on our own. In fact, without Jesus, we were so without righteousness that we did not even know what we were really missing. And we pick up now where we left off last week, Jesus declaring himself to be the bread of life. He is the one who fills up our deepest hunger and what we are lacking the most. So here is our big idea for this week. In Jesus, you are already safe and saved, raised on the last day. Starting in verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever comes to him? Well, the crowds are there. They have followed him. They are looking him in the face. But Jesus continues by telling them that they may have come, they may have chased him down, they may be seeing him, but they have not seen him for who he is. They do not believe. Believe what? Everything that Jesus has taught them. Every sign that he has shown them so that they would know that he is God's Messiah, that he is the one that was sent to save his people from Satan, sin, death, and hell. Jesus reminds them here that he is not just out here having fun with everyone. He's not one of those kinds of preachers. You know the ones. They hear their own voices. They really like it. They act like they have something new to say. Which, you should remember that if someone claims to have something new, run. They are liars. <laughs> and they are immediately going to add works back into salvation. They are going to point you away from Jesus. He's not here talking to them because of his plan. No, he is here from God, whom he calls his Father. So if you are doubting Jesus at this point, you are, in fact, denying God. Here is the will of God for your life. He wants to save you by giving you to Jesus. And Jesus is never going to let go of you. This is so true, in fact, that he says it twice in these short four verses. 
God is a good father who wants to save you. Let you know that you are safe, and promises that though we die, yet we shall live. This is what he says here, and this is also what he told Lazarus' sister, Martha, in John chapter 11. The Apostle Paul also reminds us in 1 Corinthians that it is with the same power and authority that God raises each of us from the dead as he does Jesus himself. In verse 40, Jesus wants to drive this truth home more exactly to the crowd who is refusing to see and understand who he is. Whoever sees the Son for who he is and believes in him will have eternal life and will be raised on the last day. That is sharing in Jesus' resurrection. For the Exner family this week, this truth hits hard. Derek's father died, and so has Sandy's mother. They are absent from the body, but they are present with the Lord, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. We may have lost them, but Jesus has not. They are, in fact, with their Savior now, and one day, on that last day, Jesus will make new their bodies, or as Jesus says here, they will be raised up on that last day. Now, this does not make the crowds happy, however. Here they are on the outskirts of a city uh, in the wilderness, and they came looking for something to eat, but no, Jesus wants to teach them more. And so they grumble in that wilderness like their ancestors did last week when we read from the book of Exodus. We had bread and meat in Egypt. Why are we going out here to die in discomfort? We had water in Egypt. Why would we come here to dehydrate and die? And just to put a bit of salt in this cutting rejection of Jesus, they say, what father is he even talking about, Joseph? If only Joseph could see his oldest boy now. If he even is Joseph's boy. Have you heard the story about that? But Jesus shuts it down. Do not grumble against me like your ancestors coming out of Egypt did. See, no one comes to Jesus by their own power. No search for temporary life is going to lead you to eternal life. No, it's going to take God the Father dragging you, kicking and screaming. Now, I know the text says God draws people to himself. But I read that and think about, you know, maybe someone that left a pie on a windowsill to cool and I walk by and I am drawn in to introduce myself to this neighbor who seems to know how to bake well. But draw here is not some kind of polite and kind word. It's actually quite a violent word. Which I love because earlier when the people realized that Jesus could produce bread out of nothing, everyone decided he needed to be king. Another gospel account says that they wanted to take the kingdom by force. <laughs> they wanted a revolution and they wanted Jesus to sit on the throne and give them bread each and every day. But now Jesus has the violent word, draw. In verse 44, it's something more like 
pulling a dog on a lead in the direction that you need to go instead of towards the dead critter on the side of the road that they just can't wait to get their jaws on. God drags people to Jesus. People of all kinds, all makes and models. Those who think they're too far gone, those who think that they are the best people ever, those who know that they have no righteousness of their own, and those who are so righteous that they can't even seem to get near someone like Jesus who hangs out with sinners. That is you and me. Those who have heard the good news about Jesus, those who have seen and believed, who know that there is only one place, one person that they can put their trust in. And it is when sinners like us believe what Jesus has said about us and that he is our only safety, our only salvation, that we can have confidence that we are already raised from the dead like and with Jesus as we have had pictured and promised to us in our baptism. Verse 45, Jesus says the prophets wrote about him when they said that one day God himself would teach his people. Specifically, this comes from Isaiah chapter 54 verse 13 and Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 33 to 34. There we read that God's people will finally be at peace when God himself teaches their children. Peace of all kinds, that's from war, from striving after law and works for salvation. And also, we read that God's people will truly know him. They will have new hearts that will have been gifted by God's spirit and their sin will be wiped away. Jesus here is laboring to tell the crowd that that day has come. Their hearts can be made new. Their unrighteousness can be replaced with righteousness. God himself is teaching them. They know him because he is standing right in front of them. And so, back to the bread. Very truly, whoever believes this has eternal life. I am the bread of life. That is a bread that carries you to eternity. Your ancestors looked for bread to fall from the heavens. They looked for bread from the Father every morning. And even though God provided every morning, they still died. That bread kept them breathing for a while, but it did not save them. It did not give them the permanent safety that they needed, and it could not raise them from the dead. And then, pointing to himself, Jesus proclaims, I am the real bread, come down from heaven. Uh, the real bread that if you eat of it, you will not die. I am the living bread that supports life into forever. And the bread that I will give for you and the whole world is my flesh. <laughs> now, this is offensive in so many ways. And our next text only gets more offensive. Jesus is not giving a lecture series on how to win friends and influence people. No, he is calling people 
to see their real need and to trust in Him as the only real answer. We come to Jesus with nothing to offer to Him but our sin. But our old Adam, our old sinful selves, do not like this. We think that if our needs could only be met for today, then we could take care of tomorrow, surely. Well, you cannot. You get bread and milk for today, but what about tomorrow? And what about the day that you die? <laughs> to trust Jesus, that is to rest in and rely upon the work that he has done for you, his perfect life lived for you, his sin-covering and debt-paying death died for you, to believe in and trust in that, well, you are safe and saved, already raised to new life, which will be shared from this day through forever with Jesus and each and every person who God has adopted through Jesus, the life-giving bread. Christian, that is, those of you that know Christ as your Savior, those that are trusting in, resting in, relying upon, Christian, you are safe and saved and raised in Jesus. Amen. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.